Someone asked me this morning, I said, Pastor, what can I give to the Lord? I don't have much. And you know, it's not monetary value that God is looking for. I mean, if you think about that, then he would have never saved the guy on the cross. The man on the cross could not do anything. We had a, we had a lady that cut our, our hair out in California, and she was from a different denomination. And, and I remember her telling us that her father had passed away. And she was mad at that. She was from um, Vietnam, I think. And when she went to the church, the church said, well, if you give X amount of dollars, we'll get your, your, your dad into heaven. Well, they didn't have any money. And so she remembered that and remembered that and remembered that. It was very in her mind, just, just drowned in her mind. And she was sitting there going, I just don't understand how someone could say that. Because in her mind, if she didn't give money, what was going to happen to her father? That has nothing to do with salvation. And so I want you to see this, and I want you to get it, and I want you to understand that you can give something to the Lord. And it, you say, well, how can I do that? You can do it by what the wise men gave. Let's look at these really quick, and we'll get into this. And I want you to see this. It says that the wise men gave three gifts. What were they? Gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Now, there's a reason why they gave all those, and we'll look at that. And you probably already know some of these, but I want to apply it into your life. The kings did something that was amazing before they gave their gifts. A lot of people think it's all about the gifts we give them, but can I show you that there was something that happened before they gave the gifts? As we read this, look at this verse again. Verses 1 through 10 tell the story of how they sought after him. Herod comes on the scene and, and, and they, ask, they ask the people, where is he that is born king of the Jew in verse number two? And then Herod asks, and he knows who to ask, and he goes and asks these people. He says, the, this, the, the, the religious people at that time, he asks them, he says, where is this man going to be born? And they exactly knew exactly where he was going to be born. They knew he was going to be in Bethlehem. It says in verse number six, and now Bethlehem in the land of Judah art not the least among the princes of Judah, for out of thee shall come a governor that shall rule my people Israel. Now that got the king's attention real quick. And so Herod tells him, he says, listen, you go find him, and then you report back to me of what you saw. Now, Jesus was not a baby when they got there. He was not found in a manger, he was found in a home. They estimate him being two or three years old when this happened. So here you have the story, and, and we, really, we really don't know how long it took to get there. We don't know how far they traveled. We do know they traveled for a while. And we do know that it wasn't just three men. I, I, that's how I feel. We sing that song, We Three Kings. And why do we say We Three Kings? We should sing that song, We Three Presents. Because they look at the presents and they think, okay, each one gave one. But that, we don't know how many of them gave gold. We don't know. One person, two guys could have given gold and silver, gold and frankincense and myrrh. But here, there's two things that they do before they give the gift, the gift that really means something. The first thing they do is go in verse number um, 10. It says, And when they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceedingly great joy. So they go out of Herod and they, they look up again. And I don't know if the star left for a while and came back, but it, there it is again, and they see it, and they're so happy they saw it. People have equated them with astrologers. They watched the skies. And so they knew all that. Can you imagine traveling by the stars? If I said, I want you to go to this star and stay under it, can you imagine how hard that would be? Now, some of you say, I could do it. 
It'd be hard to do in America today. Have you ever been to a big city when the stars are out? They're hard to see. Some of them are impossible to see. And here, they're watching the skies and they take off and they follow it. And it shows their commitment to this. Shows their commitment to what's going on. Because something has changed in the universe. And I am so thankful it changed. And here we have what, what's going on. There's three things that happen here. With the, first of all, they searched for him. They sought after him. When they found him, they, watch, in verse number 11, and when they were come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary his mother, and look at the next three words, and fell down. You've got to put it in perspective of who these guys are. They're not used to falling on their face in front of people. They're used to people doing it to them. It's a role reversal. And all, they see a child, and, and everybody knows who Landon is, Right? Can you imagine if we saw Landon, and don't do this to him, I don't know what his ego would do, but if, if we saw him, we just fell down on the ground. If we were, we, we, were, we were older people and we saw him and we was like, wow, there he is. What they saw, I don't understand how they saw it, how, how they understood it, but they knew that star signified him. They also had put, two, they put some of these things together, what Herod had said, and, and, and looking after the star, and they knew the Savior was going to be born, and so they get there, and when they see him, they fall down. You say, why is that so important? It shows their position of him. It shows their position of him. There are some people that want to be uplifted higher than other people, right? Jesus was never that way, but here's a child, and, and he's, he's sitting there, and these, these wise men come in that are worth a lot of money. They've traveled from afar, and when they see him, their position is, is they fall on their face. And we got, we've got some wrong ideas of what worship is. And here, these wise men, they fall on their, their face. This is not their normal position. Now, look at the next part. It says, they fell on their face and worshiped him. This is showing the power that this, this child had. I've, had a, I've heard a preacher say this, that, that Jesus did wrong things when he was a child. I've heard a preacher say that from pulpit. And I sat back and go, he's a perfect, he was perfect from day one. And here he's walking around and, and I, I don't know really what he's doing, but I do know that they fell down, as, as an adult, they fell down to a child and they started worshiping him. I don't really know what that meant, but I knew that they were thankful for where they were. Then they did the thing that we, know all, we all know about, the gifts. They fall down, they worship Him, they get their position settled, they understand who the power is, and then on the third thing, they're, they're proclaiming and the protection of the gifts. And they present to him gold, frankincense, and I was looking on, online today, and you can actually buy little kits that have a little bit of gold, a little frankincense, and myrrh. I don't know if you've ever seen them. I would like to get one for my office. I think I'm going to get one. They're not expensive. They're, it's probably a minute amount of gold, okay? And maybe it's just a rock painted gold. And it shows kind of how it might have been presented. And, and as I was looking at this, I thought, man, this is incredible because when you look at these three things, you've got to understand what they mean. Gold was something that was valuable. They probably used it to travel. And it also signified a king. Mary probably had not had much gold in her, in her short life that she has right now. And she's just been delivered some, some, some gold. 
Later on, after the kings were to leave, they were to travel. They might have used that money to travel. I don't know. But here you have the, the, valuable, the valuable gold, which signifies king. And then you have the frankincense. The frankincense is a perfume, and it really means deity, is what it's talking about. Then you have myrrh. It's a, an ointment, an oint, uh, anointed oil that they use, and that signifies death. And so you have all these three gifts that were given, and it's a symbol of who Christ is. Now, I don't know if when they looked at it, they said, okay, he is, he is the Savior, he's the King. He, I don't know if they knew that, but the things that they offered him was exactly meaning these different things. These were the gifts that were given to Jesus. Isn't that interesting? That, that, that they brought gifts to Jesus. I've always thought it was interesting when you, when you look at Christmas. Most people give gifts to everybody, Right? But we don't sometimes, Priscilla, give gifts to who it belongs. If you were to have a birthday, and we had tons of birthdays here today. If you were to have a birthday party and everybody came to your birthday party, who had a birthday? Priscilla had a birthday this week, right? If we all went to Priscilla's house and me and Ray, got, we, we went over there, we sing happy birthday to her, and then I give Ray a gift, Ray gives me a gift. Copenhaver's coming, they give gifts to each other. And my wife comes, and, and Kathy comes, and they give gifts to each other. And Priscilla's just sitting back going, where's my gift? It's my birthday. What would Priscilla say? Because that's sometimes what we do to God. These, these guys, when they got there, they knew they fell down and worshipped him. And then they gave gifts. You say, well, that, that's interesting, that's the gifts they gave. But have you imagined what the gifts that God gave you? And, and I just wrote a few down. But I'm going to, I wrote, I think, five down. He gives us the Holy Spirit. When we accept Him as personal Savior, the Holy Spirit indwells us, and, and I'm telling you, that's a great thing to have. You know, it, it, it adds to your conscience. And He walks with you and He talks with you. He tells you when you should do and what you should do and what you shouldn't do. You say, well, I don't know what I should do or shouldn't do. Yes, you, you know exactly. If you've got the Holy Spirit indwelling in you, He's going to tell you what's right and what's wrong. Amen? Brother Gardner's not in here. I need some amens. Amen? I'm not going to end until... Amen. All right. He, he's, he's got the Holy Spirit. You know the other second gift He gives you? Salvation. I mean, He gives you, he gives you salvation. Isn't that great, Ray? Amen. He gives you, you, I can go to sleep at night knowing if something were to happen to me that I'm okay. That's why when my mother's on her deathbed, I can whisper in her ear, it's time for you to go. And she goes, and I wasn't concerned about it because I knew where she went. There's something about that salvation. There's something about that Holy Spirit. I'm trying to get you encouraged by the gifts that God gives you. How many of you like to get gifts? It's going to be, some of, some of you won't, won't ever raise your hand. I don't want to do that because that's kind of vain. All right. How many of you don't like to get gifts? How many, would, how many of you, let's say this. How many of you would rather give gifts than get gifts? I, I, I'm in that category. I have a hard time. When Denver gives stuff to me, I'm like, I have a hard time with it. I'm glad he gave it to my wife. She won't even let me see it, Denver. She's got it. Amen. Um, so, I mean, I, I, I like to give gifts. But God has always given things to us. He gives us the Holy Spirit to indwell us. Do you realize that David didn't have that? 
in the Old Testament? Did he have it? The Holy Spirit dwelling? No. Came after the death of Christ. So we have something that David did not have. David was what? A man after God's own heart. Isn't that amazing to think that he gives us the Holy Spirit? And so when you're out and about this week and, and God says, hey, speak to somebody about what Christ has done, you know who's, who's saying that to you? It's not the little angel and devil on your shoulder. It's the Holy Spirit saying, they need you. They need you. And then he gives us that salvation. So when I depart from here, I know where I'm going. But you say, well, what else does he give me? He only gave me those two things. No, he gives you much more. And honestly, the list could go on and on. But the third one I wrote, he gives me safety in storms. How many of you like to scrape the ice off your windows? I don't like to do that. I like to do the, have you ever been driving down the road and see the bare minimum of ice scraping, amen? You know what I'm talking about? Go, how in the world can that guy see through that little square right there? The other day I um, didn't have my scraper in my truck. And I had to drive up to the church. And I know, I don't know what my neighbors think of me. You know, sometimes I go, why, why am I doing this out here? You know, and, and so I drove down, and I don't suggest you do this, but I just opened the door and looked through that little crack in the door as I drove. I had my seatbelt on. And I just drove. There was no one up here. It was real early in the morning. And I thought, you know what? I'm not going to take the ice off my car because God can if I just park it the right direction. And I wasn't thinking. And I pulled my car the wrong direction. He took all the ice off the back window, took none off the front window. I don't like doing this. I don't, I don't, sometimes I don't like when storms come, how do you deal with it? We went over to, to um, see um, Teresa. And it was raining that day, really hard. And I know Daniel was praying in my car because his knuckles were, were white and everything. I said, I am not driving fast. If I'm driving fast, just tell me. And he's like, you're not driving fast. I could tell I was. And I, and I really wasn't. But when those storms come, you know what God gives you? He gives you safety through your storms. That's a gift that he gives you. Not only does he give you safety in your storms, number four, he gives you courage when you're, when you're fearful. I wish you could listen to some of the testimonies that we're hearing in our Sunday school class of when people go up and witness to somebody. Because there's not a person in this room that never gets scared when they go talk to somebody. And today they showed... One of the guys in it witnessing to two guys in a street situation and that he picked out the two roughest looking dudes out there. By the time it was done, in fact, I, I kind of felt it was unsafe with some of the things he did. And there was one guy that was standing right beside him, came up beside him as he was going. And he goes, hello, and looked at him real quick just to get him to get him to leave. But as we were watching the testimony of him sharing his faith with him, you could see that these rough guys... We're getting softer. If it was you or I, and we were walking down the street, those two guys that he talked to would have been the last people we would have talked to. And you could just see that he went out and he talked with them, and he had a great testimony to them. And when they walked away, they thanked him for what he'd done. He gives us courage. Courage when I fear. 
We don't have to be behind the thing and ducking and, and, and doing like Gideon did this morning. We can look and we can do what's right and we can have that courage if God gives us. So he gives us the Holy Spirit, the indwelling. He gives us the salvation. He gives us the safety in the storms. He gives us courage when I fear. And this is another thing. He gives me peace when I don't understand. Does everybody understand everything in here? Some of you understand more things than I do. I don't understand why the sheep's moved from over there to there. They're, they're throwing me completely off. They're over there. I'm going to get a visitor card on them. That's one thing I don't understand. All right. But um, you moved to a different zip code in this, in this auditorium. I don't know where you're at. Okay. And so they're trying to confuse me. Is there things you don't understand? I turned the, turned the light on over here. And I don't know if it was static electricity, but it shocked me. It scared me to death. Have you ever been shocked? I remember I had a youth pastor and he said, oh, I can fix this light without shutting it off. I can do this. I'll never forget, I walked away and his name was Andrew and, and I walked away and I heard him go, ow! <laughs> and I went back and his, his screwdriver had a burn mark in it where he had actually touched the wrong wire. I don't know much, but when I work on electricity, especially with me being colorblind, I'm going to shut everything off. Do you understand everything? But you know what God gives you? He gives you, see, so He'll give you peace when you don't understand. You know, I have a big issue with this missionary that got killed. I just look at it and I go, I know so many Christians that don't want to go to church, don't want to serve the Lord, don't want to do this. And I just have a hard time in my mind understanding that a man gives two and a half years of his life to get deputation to raise all the support. He gets on the field and two and a half weeks later he gets shot in the head and dies. I, I don't understand that. But then I read his wife's posting and she's a much better Christian than me because I see peace when she's talking. How many of you have read some of her posts? When you read some of her posts, you just go, how in the world can she get through this? Because God gives her the peace when we don't understand. How many times in your life has it ever been when, some, when you went through something you didn't understand it then, but you understand it later? Been there, done that. There's times in ministry where I go, I don't know how this is going to work out, Lord. You're going to be in charge of it. Just let it go. And then all of a sudden you see God working in a, in a great way. That's a gift that He gave you. Because that Holy Spirit's in there and He's working. He's working the system. He's got everything going and He's helping you through it. Aren't you thankful for the gifts? See, the wise men gave gifts. And yet we get gifts from God. So my question to you is this. When someone asked me this morning, what do I give to God when I don't have much? It's not about your tithes and offering. It's really not. He wants much more than that. We look at it and go, well, I can get... I'm not talking about money here. I'm talking about, let's look really quick at the three gifts, and then I'm going to show you how you can give that gift back to God. And we'll be done. The first one. The first one is gold. Here you have gold given to him, and how do you equate that with you? See, we've got to be thankful for what God gives us, and you know what I want? I want God to be thankful for who I am. I want God to look down and say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. And so here, when you look at these things, the gift that the wise men gave is what you can give. Look at the gold. It's value. 
You know what you need to give God? You need to give God, let him be your king. And if this all falls in line, everything's going to be okay. What does that mean, a king? I, don't, I was reading the, the paper today, and they interviewed king, uh, Prince Charles. And he made this statement. He said, when I become king, I am not going to be in politics. Did you know that England, of course, has a king and queen, but they don't be, they're not involved in politics? They're not supposed to be. He has said some things that got him hurt uh, when it comes to the tabloids and stuff. But as I look at it, he is not a true king. He's just propped up for the king. When you let Jesus be your king, what does that mean? He rules and reigns over you. So what he's going to do, if you want to give him something, you don't have much, read this and follow it. There's not many people doing it. Amen? That's, how you, that's one of the gifts you can give him. Let him be your king. And that means when you have to make a decision, guess what? The king has rule over you. A lot of people don't like that. It's called submission. It's called submission. Sometimes God sends you places. And talks to you and tells you what to do. And we don't understand it, but God knows exactly what's best. It breaks my heart when, it, when I think of my kids. I love my kids. I'm not going to see Meredith until May. Man, I love her. And I would love, I, I, I don't want to love to live out in California. Oh my word, no. Don't say that. Oh, done, been there, done that. But I would love for my kids to be with me. That's just not what God has intended right now. What does God want you to do? The couple that visited, visited this morning, they said, now where are you from? And, and, and sometimes I'm scared to death to tell people I'm from Indiana because they'll go, oh, you're one of those Yankees. You're a Yankee. I could tell you were a Yankee. And I said, oh, I'm from Indiana, but I, I've lived in the sun. This is what I tell people. When I know that this is a loaded question, I'm from Indiana, but I've lived in the South more, so I'm more Southern than I am Northern. And if you don't think that's true, when I go up North, they all say, where are you from? They never say it in the South. They never say, you know, you've got a Northern accent. You know, let God be your king. It's just that simple. Read what the Bible says and do it. And when God tells you to do something, you know what? As a servant, you follow the king. And you know, you're, you're serving a king that's perfect. He sees far beyond where you see. He knows where you're going and he knows where you need to go. And so often in our mind we think, well, if I can just get to point B from point A, I'm all right. But you know what he's thinking? He's thinking about point Z. And he's going to get you all the way you need to go, but you need to follow him and he needs to be your king. And you need to fall down and worship him. So the first one is you need to be, he needs to be your king. The second one, as you look, the next one is frankincense. When you read frankincense in there, he gives frankincense, and frankincense is a deity or a perfume. Let him be your king, but also let him be your God. Your king is your ruler, your God is your everything. 
And everybody in here has a God. I don't know if it's God, God the Father or God whatever yours is. Do you not think people worship the wrong thing? Sometimes we worship the wrong things all the way across the board. Sometimes it starts as innocence and it just destroys us later. But God wants us to, He wants to be, and that's a gift you can give Him. Hey, hey, hey Lord, you are going to be my king and you're going to be my God. Sometimes we forget that God created us. And if God created us, we should follow him. Isn't it great that he created you? It's evident with me that God created. You know what we're going to end up being? Dirt. I, just, I think it's very incredible when you think how God made us. Man he made out of earth, out of earth. what do he make women out of? A rib. You don't think that's true that a man is made out of earth? If you've ever worn a white shirt like I've got on and you get done, I don't wear makeup, by the way, okay? But when I get done, I've got stuff around my neck. You know what that's from? That's the dirt that I'm made out of, amen? And if he can create me, he can sustain me. And if, he, if we understand this peace that he gives us through, when we don't understand it and we look at it and we go, okay, this is the God that made us. Thank God that we can turn around and say, you're going to be my king and you're going to be my God. And look at the last one. The last one is myrrh. Myrrh is interesting. Myrrh is something that they give you at death. Not only is he your God and he is your king, you know what else he is? He's your savior. There's a song in the hymnal called Born to Die. It's a Christmas song, and we'll sing it in December. And it talks about how he was born in, in, a, in a manger to die on a cross. There's another song that I want to sing as a special, and it's, it's called this. It says, where else would a lamb be born? It's talking about being born in a stable. Beautiful song. And we've got to look back, and we've got to realize that he is our Savior. That's a gift we can give him. Accept him as your personal Savior. Follow him as your king. Follow him as your God. But when he is your savior, you're relinquishing all your rights. Because what did he do? He died on a cross for you. There's not anybody else that has ever done that for you. And when I study what he went through at Easter, the amazing thing to me about this Ray is he knew how much pain he was going to do, going to go through, and yet he still did it. How many of you like pain? If anybody raises their hand and say, I like pain, I don't like pain. I don't want people to come tell me about their surgeries. I don't want people to tell me about what they've done. I, I just don't want to know it. I hear people, well, this is what happened. I've heard Alan's story about his hand. I've heard other things. I'm like, I don't want to really hear that. I don't want to go and I don't want to talk to Priscilla and say, what did they do to you? I don't want to know that. I will pray for her so I don't have to know that. But as I, as I look at this, I think, man, God created us. He can sustain us. And he wants us to look at him as his king, his God, and, and he's our savior. Isn't that great? That's something that you can turn around and give to him. You know what I'm so thankful for? That God cares enough for me. 
Aren't you thankful that he cares enough for you? Here these wise men seek him, and they found him. And that's a great thing. And here they find him, and when they find him, they worship him, they fall down, and they worship him, and then they give him these gifts. I want you to turn to something else. I want you to turn to one more passage of Scripture. Go, go a couple of chapters over and go to Matthew chapter 9. Matthew chapter 9. Matthew chapter 9 and verse number 20 says this. And behold, a woman which diseased with an issue of blood 12 years came behind him and touched the hem of his garment. Now watch what she says. For she said within herself. She didn't tell anybody. She just thought this inside of her. If I but touch the, his, his garment, I shall be made whole. And if you know the story, she, he, Jesus is in a big crowd. He's going someplace. He has a job to do. And when he goes, he stops and he says, something has gone from me. His disciple, and he says, someone's touched me. And his disciple said, there's a, it's probably Peter that said this. He said, hey, there's a bunch of people around you, Lord. I don't know what you're talking about. And then he turns and he looks at her and look at, her, look at, her, look at his statement in verse number 22. But Jesus turned him about when he, when he saw her. He said, daughter, be of good comfort. Thy faith hath made thee whole. And the woman was made whole from that hour. My point to you is this. Here, she touched the hem of his garment. You know what I'm so thankful for? That I didn't have to touch the hem of his garment. I didn't live when Jesus was on this earth, but you know what? I can tell you this. He's touched me. And if he's touched me and he's done something to me, I can be thankful for what he's done. As I look at this, I want, being, I want to be thankful to what God's given me, but I want God to be thankful for what I'm doing for him. And I'm not, I've not got anybody in mind, but can I tell you, we, when we look at this, we've got to be thankful for what he's done. Aren't you thankful that he's your God? Big G? God? Aren't you thankful that he's your king? He rules over everything. I mean, you think about it. You, you look at the universe and how he controls it. And, and, and I mean, he sustains everything. If the sun was closer, we'd burn up. If the sun was further, we'd freeze. And he gave us this planet Earth to live on, to take care of us. He is our king. He controls it. He sustains it. He's the one in charge of it. But then he was your savior because he died on a cross for you and he died on a cross for me. And praise God for that. And you know what I've got to give back to him? I've got to give him that gold frankincense or I've got to give him the, the aspect of that he is my king. He is my God. And he's my savior. And I didn't go have to touch someone's hem of a garment like she did. And I'm not making light of what she did. She did what she had to do to get what she needed to get done. And God did this for her. And he acknowledged her. She did nothing wrong. But I don't have to go touch the hem of his garment. I've already been touched. And he did it to me. He seeks us out. He sends us where we need to go. And we need to be thankful for what he's done. So are we? Are you? I think most of you are. But you know, there's always areas we need to work on. Bernard, if I, if I just sat you down and said, is God your king? Is God your savior? And is God your God? And you would probably say, yes, he is. But let me ask you a second question. Is there more you can do for your king? 
Is there more you can do for your God? Is there more you can do for your Savior?